Welcome back. This is another episode of Heavy Wireless Podcast. It's part of the Packet Pushers Podcast Network. My name is Keith Parsons, and today I have two very well-known people in the Wi-Fi industry, David Coleman and David Westcott, the authors of the CWNA Study Guide. Authorized, official, I don't know what you're going to call it, but we're going to talk today about the CWNA program, but specifically about writing books, their process of how they came up with this book not just the title, but the content, and how it's now basically become the Bible in the industry for anyone wanting to learn about CWNA. So let's first start with Mr. Coleman, CWNA number four. I just had to put that little poke in there since I'm CWNA number three. We, we poke each other. How did you, in the beginning, first decide, I think I need to write a book on for CWNA? I actually started writing um, white papers first when I was self-employed. Uh, 20 plus years ago, I had somebody at Cisco tell me the way you move up in the Cisco org was to write white papers. So I did it and uh, I wrote a couple of white papers and actually did one for uh, Fluke, did another one for Cognio, um, uh, which is now part of the Cisco um, uh, clean air technology and um, got my name out there. Um, and then I was approached uh, by a publisher, um, Cybex, which is part of Wiley Publishing, to write a CWNA study guide, a competing one to the existing one that the program had out. And I said, yeah, I'd like to be involved, but I'm busy. I don't have a lot of time. Um, can I get a co-author? And that's when I called up David Westcott, who I had actually met, like, I believe, like nine months earlier at a, a training session, which Keith, I believe you were at as well. And I said, Westcott, you want to write a book together? And we said, sure, let's give it a try. And, and then the rest is kind of history. David Westcott, what? How was your reaction to that first request? It was it was good. Um, I'd never written uh, any real text before. I mean, I've written course materials and things like that, but I'd never written any white papers or anything like that. And I was game. And so he, you know, he emailed me actually initially, and I still have that email around here somewhere. <laughs> and. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, we, we just started going with it. Um, it was a interesting process. Ibex has a very structured, in a good sense, process, and they help walk you through. They have templates. And um, I think every word that we go and that we write gets edited at least nine times. The, uh, the proofreading on it by Cybex is insanely good. So uh, tell me about the process. You're, you're sitting... You decided together you're going to write a book. There's a topic, CWNA, so you kind of had their course out, their their blueprint of what they wanted to cover. How did you first take that and turn it into a book? I mean, that's that's like we have this outline, and now magically there's a book. Well, we, well what I've... we had what we had was the um, the exam objectives, and so with the exam objectives, we sat down. And our goal is never necessary to write a study guide. Our goal is just to write a damn good wireless book and also be able to pass the exam. So Coleman gets most of the credit for the table of contents because he tends to put that legwork in and he put that together and we made sure that we covered the materials there. Yeah, it's just to go down that road a little bit more, obviously, it's a study guide for an exam. And we did go by the objectives, at least initially. But over the years, I think um, 
The bigger goal for me and Westcott has been is we wanted to write something that was real world and something that people could actually not only use to help them pass the exam, but could actually, we could take real world aspects from what Dave and I have learned in the field, as well as what, you know, lots of students and people that we've worked with over the years have learned in the field and put those real life experiences into, into the book, um, not just to pass an exam. And, and so I think the thing that has really made me and Dave the proudest about this book is that I would say well over 70% 70 of the people that buy it, buy it more as a reference guide than they do uh, for buying it, um, particularly for um, studying for that CWNA exam. I walked past, I walked past an engineer's desk once. Um, I was over at, at Aruba headquarters. I walked past an engineer's desk and I saw the mangiest copy of the book I think I had ever seen. And actually it was, I was going to bring him a copy next time, but I couldn't find him again. Uh, and that made me just so proud because it means that he has rummaged through that book so many times trying to find information. Well, for some people who are thinking about maybe I, I want to write a book. When, when you're the author of a book, people then look to it literally as you wrote the book on it. So you obviously know what's the research process. Say you, you have some concept that's on the, the exam, and then you say, well, we need to teach that one concept. How do you get the definitive information so that you know you're 100% right? Because you're going to have this edited by technical editors. You kind of don't mm -hmm. want to be embarrassed. What's that? the research cycle like? Well, I think the, as far as the CWNP program is concerned for the exam, the end all is probably uh, the IEEE and the 802.11 standard. So I think over the years, we've read the various versions of the 802.11 standard uh, inside and out. And uh, we do that for research. But once again, I, I learned from uh, a friend of mine, um, Matthew guessed a long time ago, the standards are merely guidelines. Um, yeah. So I, I, I got to go back to the real world aspect of what I was saying before, because um, a, a lot of times Westcott and I will get each other, we'll bounce things off of the phone with each other as well as outside people and say, well, this is what it says in the standard, but what does that really mean? And should this even be in the book? Because it's just in a document. What about the real world? And you know, we could go down all kinds of rabbit holes on this about things that find its way into the standard that um, never find its way into the silicon, um, or if it does, may not even work in the real world. Um, and I, you know, so uh, multi-user MIMO being a perfect example. So. Uh, well, another example is, you know, you might even know this off the top of your head. How many pages is the current standard for 802.11? It's like 4,000, yeah, I think. Yes, over 4,000. Yeah. So, yeah. so if you wrote yeah. a book that explained it, it would have to be more than that. So there's obviously some, some distillation that has to take place because you're not going to cover everything in the standard. No, you, no just, you just can't. And, and the tough part of it also is not just the standards, but it's the amendments. I remember, I think it was the fourth edition um, I was, I think it was 802.11n or 802.11ac, and we had the amendment and then the standard, and they hadn't been combined together. So I literally have both documents side by side, and I'm reading the standard, and I'm reading the, mem the amendment, 
And some of it I even printed out because if you've ever read standards, you know, and amendments, amendments say, remove this paragraph, change these words, add this paragraph. And to try to figure out how this works, I literally had to print out pages upon pages of the 802.11 and start crossing out the original, stand, you know, the updated standard with the amendment to make sure I was saying what I really needed to say. And it's it's tough. It's a lot, a lot of research. I mean, when I wrote the security section, um, Simon Singh has a great book on uh, security. And then David Kahn's security book, um, I think Code Book or Code Breakers, I read both of those just so I could write the security chapter and get myself really up to speed on aspects of security. Well, one, one part of writing is you're thinking about your audience and what level do you end up writing for? So, I mean, you're not going to write this for elementary school children. You're not going to write it for high school. What's in, in your mind, who is your target reader that you try to write to that level? That's a really good question because um, I think something that Dave and I are both uh, really good at, and I think it goes back to our training backgrounds, um, is that we can, we're good at taking very complex topics and uh, explaining it to uh, non-engineers, okay? And what I mean by engineer, engineer, when you think of engineers, I'm talking about the IEEE, okay? Most of them probably aren't going to be very good trainers or book writers. They can write really good standards, but explaining it to the people that actually use the technology uh, on in the real world may not be the right person. So our target audience would probably be, in most cases, are people that are out there touching access points, troubleshooting connectivity problems, roaming issues, uh, designing networks. The, to me, that's our target audience. A lot, a lot of the wireless people we get are people who've been managing wired networks. And it's like, okay, yeah, it's I, it's the handshake, as I call it. Hi, you're the networking person. Congratulations, you're now the wireless networking person. And so we're getting, you know, we get over the years a lot of those type of people. So the people are coming in with knowledge. Now we try to, you know, go from scratch. I mean, there's things in the book that I, you know, Coleman and I always get into discussions put this in or not put this in. And we both have passions. And I put a section on frequency shift king, phase shift king, and uh, amplitude shift king. Because when I learned the stuff, it was tough for me to understand what that stuff is. You know, and a little bit about Manchester encoding and differential, things like that. How do you, you know, how do you actually transmit the bits? Um, and what do they actually mean? So I always look at it. What did I not understand when I first got into it? And then I try to do that. Another thing that I think we, I mean, we came out of, well, we went into this as trainers. And so we brought a whole different perspective. You know, we're not writing a book, we're teaching. In fact, when I get stuck at times, I will actually stand up in my office and I'll just walk around and the topic that I want to write about, I will just start lecturing it to the wall or I'll start talking it out loud to get the flow going through me because, you know, I can't, you know, for some reason it's not coming out on paper, but then all of a sudden you get it. Okay. How do I want to word this? I want to word this like I'm presenting it. And I do that for two, three, four minutes. It's like, okay, now, now I got the feel for it. Now I can start penning it or typing it. Typing it. Hopefully, hopefully not <laughs> by hand. Uh, 
a lead on question to that, there's a lot of networking knowledge that's kind of a prerequisite, a hub versus a switch. I, now, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely dating myself when I say hub, but I know you guys worked with hubs at one point in time. So the hub versus switch, yes. the, the <laughs> TCP basics, some of the routing protocols, how do you deal with that when it's not really part of Wi-Fi, but you, you can't really talk about Wi-Fi without having that knowledge? So how do you address that in your book? Do you, do you anticipate someone has already trained on some, some of those basics? Well, you would hope they have a basic understanding of the OSI model. We do not write a whole book about the OSI model. Um, we don't, um, but we mention it, you know, um, with the emphasis going, look, you need to understand the OSI model. And um, uh, mainly because that um, Wi-Fi operates at layer one and layer two. So that's a good starting point. Um, but but I have to tell you, you know, Dave said we get a lot of people coming from the wired side. We get a lot of people, believe it or not, that are just complete newbies. So they're learning the OSI model the same time that they're learning. They might have been electricians before, and all of a sudden they decided they wanted to get into wireless. And I've seen people do that. And um, so a basic level of you know networking understanding will certainly be helpful. But you don't need to be a CCIE, um, maybe like a CCNA level kind of thing would, would be helpful. Or, or and, a network plus, a network plus. Or a network kind of plus, a, good, yeah. a network plus. But it, I think what's a testament to that as well is how many people have come up to both Dave and I over the years. And uh, I'm sure Dave is going to back me up on this. But over the years, we've had hundreds of people come up to us and say, thank you. Thank you for writing that book. Um, my career changed. I, I'm making twice as much money before it jump started me, um, into, um, into the Wi-Fi industry. We've even had some VPs of, of networking companies say that because of your book, that's how I became, <laughs> eventually ended up as VP of engineering of wireless at such and such a company. So, you know, it's, um, so it's been very humbling. And, and those, those are great stories and I can, second or third that comment both personally and i've heard lots and lots of people use that not only as the reference like you said but as it, it's changed their career so kudos to both of you on that i'd like to to kind of shift gears for a little bit one of the things that david coleman has done before at wpc conferences is given a talk on why you need to write can you give us a little short version of that lecture you've given? Sure. I'll start first. And, and Westcott, you chime in as well, please. Um, uh, the main reason you need to write is it gets the brain, it stimulates the brain and it gets um, um, the, um, uh, it gets kind of you, it, it puts you in the learning process yourself. So uh, you've heard me say this and Keith, I've heard you say this before as well, that um, how many times do you go up and uh, you're searching a topic on something on Google because you're trying to find the answer and then you found that you wrote a blog about it and that you knew the answer. It was in one of your earlier blogs. So it, it's, it, you know, it's, it's that it, it helps your career, as I mentioned earlier um, in our talk. Um, and then a big part of it kind of goes back to what I was just saying before, too. It, it gives you the opportunity to kind of share the love and share the knowledge and yeah, I mean, it's honestly, it's it's a good karma kind of thing as well. But it's, I don't know anybody who's done any kind of writing, whether it's blogs, just a white paper or making a video 
where it hasn't done something been beneficial for their career or for their personal development. Another thing about writing is it makes you a little bit more accountable. You know, I'm going to put this down in paper. It's going to be there and it better be right. And (laughs) it's, you know, it's a big difference. You know, there are, there are times you'll be presenting something in a class and you'll teach something, but, and it's like, yeah, I think that's right. (laughs) But the other time, you know, you put it on paper, people are going to challenge you on it. People are going to hold you to it. And even yourself, you're going to, you know, you're, you're going to be looking at that and you're going to ask yourself, is, is that really what it is? And you learn so much more from it. And also you learned how to explain it too. You know, it's uh, if you can explain it, you own it a lot more than just going through it. Well, thank you. Thank you for bringing those up because we live in a world of social media and a lot of people we're, we're yeah, we're older gentlemen here. And a lot of people Thank are you. into the whole talk. I was saying, trying to say that nicely. Um, uh, wait, at least you guys still have your original color hair. Mine's all white now. But we, we tend to, to think, and maybe it happened with our, our education, that you have to write things out. Uh, a lot of people are into the verbal. Well, it was just talk. But I think right. there's something that happens when you write, like you just both agreed to, that it's, it focuses you. You have to be logical. And yet, in your career, you're going to be, it's almost a demand in many jobs now to be able to write succinctly and clearly, and, and that's expected. When I did a lot more consulting, I kind of came up with the phrase that uh, consulting keeps you honest, te- teaching keeps you pure. And I kind of, there, there has to be, I mean, it's like we were talking earlier about uh, a presentation that was very, very technical. And, you know, that's, that's great, but you gotta, you gotta understand it from the reality of things, from the practical side of it, but you also have to understand it from the pure side of it. And that's trying to get both of those together is something that we have aimed for over the years, you know, trying to simply explain CSMACA and then trying to specifically explain CSMACA and one of the things that you know we've been very fortunate about is that we can explain things and we can explain things for the newer person but we can also keep the technical person the more advanced person in on that same conversation and you know the new person you know i've been pretty lucky over the years saying wow that made sense to me and then you get the person who's been there for the for a while say, wow, I never knew that's how it was. So it's it's kind of a, a tough piece to do. And having the combination of doing it in person and then doing it on paper uh, gives you a little bit of both sides. Well, talking about doing it on paper, you've done your book. This is now the sixth edition? Correct. Sixth edition, ninth, ninth book, yeah. Ninth book together. Um, we both have our own writing projects uh, that we've done on the side, but nine books together, if uh, you include the six editions of the CWNA, Cybex CWNA study guide. So we've been writing together for 18 years. And the thing that amazes me the most is, and I, this is almost kind of scary, is that our writing styles actually mesh. <laughs> so I don't know, you know, so that's kind of a, a scary thing. So I that's another compliment we get all the time is we say which person wrote which chapter because we can't tell 
Um, and we do work on them together, but uh, in the pro writing process, each one of us takes on a chapter and then we act as editors and co-writers, but uh, our styles just seem to mesh. And so I guess that's good, huh, Dave? It's been crazy from the beginning because, you know, like many times people read a book written by multiple authors and you can literally say, oh, this one person wrote this chapter, one person wrote that chapter. Yeah. We have, the only way I know if I wrote a chapter or if Coleman wrote a chapter is by the graphics because, you know, he'll, I, I'll see this graphic like, oh, I didn't draw that drawing. That was Coleman's drawing. But as far as the text, I can't, even from the first edition, we were amazed at how in tuned our styles were. And it, it's, it's worked out amazingly great. It's been a yeah, great part. And to go back to the question you had before about just writing for your, um, your career and how it's good for your career, Keith, um, when we both got into this, other than a little bit of casual writing I mentioned before, neither one of us knew if we could write, you know, um, and uh, it turns out we were, we ended up being pretty good at it and, um, and going back to it. So I would encourage anybody once again, even if you think you can't write, you know, at least give it a shot, um, put some things down and you'll be amazed at what you might be able to accomplish. I think it's not just you and all three of us are recommending people write. The CBMP program for the CWNE certification required mm -hmm. writing of some experiences to prove that you understood the topic. And they wanted right. that written because there's value there. Commend them for doing that. Yep. But on the flip side, that scares a lot of people from actually going through that uh, application uh, process because they're afraid to write. So. But they shouldn't be. I think what we're saying they is just, just do it. Just, just yeah, do it. Just do it. <laughs> uh, one final question. When you've got... Obviously, you've had six editions of this. What's the trigger between the two of you when you say, yeah, it's time to do another round? It's the, it basically comes out to be when the next exam comes. And that's usually the trigger for it. One interesting thing is that, again, we don't write it just to the exam. We write it to be a, a, a great wireless book. And so just about every edition that we have written covers probably 99 plus percent of the next exam um, that's happened with our security book. Our security book, um, it just, you know, it was just covered so much. And, um, you know, our current book is is the same way. I mean, we have stuff in our current book, uh, our sixth edition that has stuff on 6E. We have stuff on, um, you know, newest versions of POE and stuff like that. And I mean, I had stuff in there about NEMA enclosures and, uh, you know, an IP ingress protection in the books for years. Then it was, I don't, you know, wasn't on the exam for many, many years, uh, but it's stuff that, hey, you're in the wireless, you need to at least understand what IP, not TCP IP, but ingress mm -hmm. protection is uh, and things like that. So we've always tried to provide extra and uh, that's always helped us. So is the, so the, just summarize that a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, Keith, too, is we future, the exam's the trigger, but to be honest with you, I believe there's a new version of the exam out right now. And so the, the question is probably going to be, hey, when's the next edition of your CWNA? When's the seventh edition? Currently, we're not working on one. Um, we probably will. Um, we're usually um, a little bit behind when the new exam is, but what I think Dave was also saying, we future-proof our books. So I, I'll tell you right now, the sixth edition will get you through 99% of the current edition of the exam. And then 
I'll even take it a step further. We just, when we write this book, we just don't write it for the CWNA exam. We, we write it for the real world aspect that I mentioned earlier. But I, I contend that um, by reading this, our CWNA study guide on Cybex, that it'll probably get you through at least 60, 70% of three of the other exams. <laughs> so <laughs> the CWDP, the CWAP, yeah. and and the CWSP uh, uh, exam. Yeah. So yeah. Um, now I'm not saying that'll help you pass all those, but it, it'll probably give, get you a, certainly give you a good head start. Well, as we finish up this great conversation on the CVMP book, um, you both have your own other writing projects. Uh, in our show notes, we'd gladly to share some of that. So is there anything else you've written you want to share, Mr. Coleman? Sure. Uh, two things. Um, so I uh, write a lot of uh, uh, dummies booklets uh, for extreme networks. Uh, coincidentally, it's the same uh, uh, top-level publishing company, Wiley Publishing, um, and they are available on the extreme website. Um We'll have the link provided here for Wi-Fi 6 and Wi-Fi 6E for dummies. Um, you can download that. And I also would like to plug, I do a lot of blogging uh, uh, on a monthly basis on the Extreme website. So go to extremenetworks.com. Thank you. And Mr. Westcott, you've written your own books and you've used yourself published. Little little feedback on that. Yes. Um so I, I decided to go in self-publishing route. I'm basically using the same process that I use with Cybex um, because the process works great. I found editors that a lot of the editors, a lot of those type of people are contractors. So I, through my Cybex connections, I found editors who understand the process with me and could help me out with that. So I've written two uh, books on Aruba networking, Aruba wireless, understanding Aruba OS 6 and OS 8, and I called them that because, um, you know, technical documentation is, is there to document and describe, and that's the goal of it, and it doesn't necessarily go through the explanation, it just, it documents it, and so I've always had problems with people understanding the things, which is why I'm a teacher. And so I named both of those books, Understanding OS 8 and OS uh, 6. And I'm in the process of looking into writing and uh, understanding uh, Rupa OS 10. Uh, I haven't committed to it yet. I have my lab in the process. I have a good deal of a table of contents, part of a chapter. And so I'm hoping to do that. I have to just see, do I have the, the time? It takes a lot of effort. Usually it takes us a good nine months to a year to write a book together. and by myself, it'd be about the same thing. So it's it's a it's a big commitment. I actually have an idea. I think you should write that book, and you should come to uh, a WLPC in Phoenix and sign in copies, <laughs> maybe. And we actually get you to a, a WLPC convention. Oh, we'll we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you knew well, I had to bring that up. <laughs> well, thanks to both Davids here, and in the industry, you're known as the Davids, David Coleman and yep. David Westcott. And I appreciate your time today. You've been listening to another episode of Heavy Wireless Podcast, part of the Packet Pushers Podcasting Network, and look forward to seeing you and talking with you in the future.